Hello and welcome to another episode of Cheeky Scientist News. I'm Isaiah Henkel and today we're going to jump in by talking about trends that are happening in academia. One of those trends is faculty, postdocs, graduate research assistants, others, PhDs and people with other degrees as well, US and outside of the US going on strike. This is an article in the BBC uh, in the UK, University Marking Boycott. What is the impact on students? So this is a large-scale strike that's going on where faculty members are refusing to give students their final marks, their final grades. Uh, this is just the latest in a string of strikes that has continued to occur. You don't hear a lot about this in big media outside of some academic media, maybe the Chronicle, maybe higher education. Um, but for this to be in the BBC is, is a big deal. And I think that we're going to see more of this happening Academia does not have the money to pay faculty members, to pay you, if you're in academia, what you're worth. There's no money. It's not a matter of them finding the money. It's not a matter of them uh, you know, taking money away from the sports teams, the sports teams that generate revenue, right? whether that would help in the short term or not. Whatever your beliefs are on that, there, are, there is no money in academia. The system is broken. Okay, It's riding on cheap labor. It's been doing this for decades. But enrollment into undergrad, uh, into, the, into the undergraduate institutions that prop up higher education, faculty, and the rest of academia, the enrollment, enrollment rates are the lowest they've been ever. Okay, by 2025, there's supposed to be widespread university and college closures. We'll be t discussing an article on that. But before that happens, there's gonna be a lot of turmoil because people aren't getting paid what they're worth. You're gonna be paid half to a third of what you're worth, worth in academia, and it's only gonna get worse. It's not gonna keep up with inflation. Uh, another article out is, students' lives thrown into disarray after West Virginia College announces plans to close. Yet another college closing. This is going to continue to happen. It's affecting not just undergrad, undergraduate research institutions, colleges, but large universities as well. So expect this kind of turmoil to happen. What can you do? Get your degree, get out of academia. Learn what it takes to get hired outside of this academic system. There's not going to be anything left for you. There barely is now. Why more and more colleges are closing down across the U.S.? This just came out. Okay, The reasons are simple. It says in the mid-2010s, there was an uptick in U.S. college closures. This accelerated in 2016. Okay, There was 91 U.S. private colleges that closed. In 2020, the numbers have skyrocketed. By 2025, we'll be graduating our lowest high school classes by population ever. And there's already the lowest enrollment rates for undergrad that there have been in decades. Okay, this is a trend that's going to continue. I talk to a lot of people and they think, okay, well, this is going to bounce back in a few months, right? Things are going to turn around. It's not going to turn around. Uh, acad academic officials are wringing their hands. They're very concerned about the lack of revenue. They already know which departments they're closing. They already know entire universities, colleges that are going to close down, but they're not going to tell you, not if you're in academia. They want to squeeze every last drop of productivity out of you first. Okay, so you have to understand the writing on the, on the wall. You can't be like, well, okay, this is happening over there, it's happening over there, not going to affect me. It will affect you. Take your career into your own hands now. So what are some things you can do to take your career into your, your own hands? Well, let's start with resumes. I think this is a great article. This came out in Entrepreneur magazine exploring the six different types of resumes. Now, one of the resumes 
is just targeting your resume, not really a resume type, but every resume should be targeted. So I'm gonna skip that one. The first is the chronological resume or reverse chronological resume. So if you have work experience, this is a great resume to use where you're including the dates. If you're talking to a person, you're handing your resume directly to a person, it's also a great resume. Second on the list is the functional resume. This resume, much better for getting through today's ATS systems, the AI. It gets rid of things that will screen you out automatically. Look, you have to understand that ATS systems, the resume filtering systems, they're stringent on purpose. Employers right now are getting up to 2,000 applications per position. They want to weed out 1,800, 1,900 of these. So they'll make common mistakes because they're not self-selecting the best resumes. They're trying, to get, they're just trying to weed out as many as possible. So if yours is a great resume, but has a date that it doesn't understand, like dates that cross over, dates where there's, it seems like there's a one-year gap, something start, stops at 2019, starts at 2020, It'll weed you out. If you have academic job titles, any job titles at all in the job title sections that aren't relevant to the job that you're seeking, you're gonna get weeded out automatically. The functional resume solves all this, no dates. Things are organized by relevancy, okay? By, by how relevant the skill you have is to the job you want. You're focused on skills instead of job titles. The combination resume com combines what? The functional resume with the chronological resume. That's the third on the list. Uh, the fourth I already mentioned was the uh, targeted resumes. The fifth is the infographic resume. Infographic resumes, think of this as a design heavy resume. This could work if you're giving it again directly to a person, but I would not use that for the ATS systems. They can't read the design boxes. They can't scroll past the lines, underlines, and so forth. Okay, which jobs will be in demand? Which ones are shrinking and which ones are the hardest to fulfill? Lots of data here, this is why I included it. The US labor market saw 8.6 million occupational shifts, 50% more than in the previous three year period. So in the last three years, lots of shifts. You gotta open your job search up. There's new job titles out there. You have to explore more positions than just that one or two you think you want. You wanna, you wanna re job and research? You gotta start thinking beyond research as well. By 2030, activities that account for up to 30% of hours currently worked across the US in skilled labor will be done by AI, generative AI. This is where the, the white collar, the skilled labor, many of you are looking for skilled jobs. You're not looking for manufacturing, retail, restaurant jobs. The bottom end of that skilled labor sector is getting wiped out by AI. This is why, this is one of the reasons why the white collar jobs are so hard to find right now and it's not coming back. So you gotta make yourself competitive now. Um, federal investment to address climate and infrastructure, as well as structural shifts, will have to increase. 12 million occupational transitions may be needed by 2030. There's gonna be a lot of changes happening in the job market. You gotta stay on top of the skills. And some of those skills you can stay on top of are emerging AI skills. This article is the best way to show off your emerging AI skills to land a job. You don't need years of experience yet. This is from Jennifer Liu. Good article here talking about what you can put on your resume. You, you can use these AI tools that are out there. There are so many, right? Hundreds, if not thousands. Can you use them to organize your day? Can you use them to generate content, to check your content, to iterate your content? Um, these are things that employers care about, okay? A lot of the hiring managers that'll be reading your resume, they're gonna be behind on this stuff. So if you can show that you're on the forefront, it's an advantage, right? So show how you've used AI successfully to achieve a goal. Don't put that you used AI to write your resume for an employer, but you can talk about how you used AI to organize, to, to manage your time, budgets, and so forth. 
five easy to use resume tools to make CVs and land, land jobs. The first is open resume. If you haven't tried this out, check it out. Open source, 100% free and ad free. Okay, open resume. Leet resumes, I haven't talked about this yet. AI that analyzes and upgrades your current resume. So you load your current resume, it uses AI to iterate it to make it better. Leet, L-E-E-T resumes. Chat career, AI crafted resume tailored for job posting. So this is where you'll upload your resume and a job posting and it will target it for you. That's chat career. Cover letter G GPT, you guessed it, generating cover letters quickly. And then finally, Swift CV. Personal online resumes, and if you want a long-form CV, that's gonna be a better choice for you. What about interviews? With all of this going on, right, the job market's shrinking in terms of skilled labor. What are employers doing to take advantage of that, to, to screen more heavily? Well, they're elongating the interview process. Be prepared for the worst. Here are four tips on surviving long job interviews and how to ace them. Okay, this is a great article talking about how you're gonna be going through three to five interviews, at least. That's for non-management roles. You could be going up to, for management roles or for like tech heavy roles, think data science, six, seven, eight, nine. And the article talks about this. So how do you prepare for it? Well, you have to do deep research into the company and the role because they're going to test you on this heavily now. You used to be able to just read a little bit on the about page, know a little bit about the company. You gotta know it inside and out. You gotta tell them why they're your top choice. Even if you have to say that to every company for different reasons. You gotta clarify expectations. You, you gotta be active here, okay? If you're not asking them how many more interviews are, are there, who am I gonna be talking to? Is there anything that would keep you from hiring me right now? Asking questions like that at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the interview. If you're not doing that, you're gonna get, get slow rolled through the entire interview process. They're gonna interview you seven, eight, nine times unless you push back a little bit professionally. And this article talks about how to do that. You gotta keep weighing your other options. That's the best point in this article. A lot of people get that interview and they assume, oh, I got the interview. It's down to me and maybe one other person. Not anymore. Because of increased bandwidth, companies are gonna do multiple rounds of video interviews with you and many other people. Okay, the video interview is the new resume. That's the best way to think about it. So what does this mean for you? It means that you have to keep going after other job opportunities even if you have an interview. Job interviews are getting longer. Here's why it could be a red flag. This article is good. It re reiterates a lot of the same points that the previous article made. Recruitment process, a telling clue. Okay, so if you're being, again, taken down the, the hiring path slowly, that job may not be there. That's the point of this article. You've likely heard by now, if you haven't looked this up, ghost job listings. Up to, up to half of the jobs that are posted by some companies are ghost listings. They have no intention of hiring at all or anytime soon. A lot of employers, a lot of hiring managers, because it's their job to hire, they want to keep their job so they have to stay busy, they will interview, even though they might not have approval to hire. Even though there might be a hiring freeze, you have to look out for this. You've got to be ready to ask questions. 10 tips for nurturing professional relationships even when you're busy. So a lot of us have tried to network and we're really good at making excuses for why we can't network because we're busy. This talks about prioritizing small numbers of people to follow up with first, okay? Don't think in terms of overwhelming numbers. Even though you might have to network with 100 people to get hired, think in groups of three, four, five, six, start small. Join the right groups, block time on your schedule. If you're not blocking time early in the day to reach out on LinkedIn or otherwise, you're never gonna get it done after your full day. All your willpower will be depleted. 
Leverage the efficiency of technology, meet up when traveling, contribute to the community. You gotta add value first, AVF, add value first. Introduce other people to each other, one person you know well to somebody you don't know that well. By doing that, right, you're gonna be seen as a super connector and you're gonna get to know the person you don't know well better and you just added value to them by introducing them to somebody else that you already knew well. Call to just say hi and then focus on small gestures. A lot of us overthink this, right? Especially if you're coming out of higher education, we gotta write an entire paragraph about ourselves, our skills, sell ourselves to the person. No, just ask them, what are you working on right now that you're excited about? Might, what, what do you enjoy the most about this particular position? What, what was it like to transition out of academia into this role? What kind of skills did you have to develop? Or just say, you know, hey, happy holidays, right? Uh, something happens on the calendar year, mention that. Hey, I just thought to check in, hope you're doing well. That can spark a longer, longer conversation. It can shrink things down in your mind so there's not this huge barrier to entry for reach out. 17 expert communicators share key skills, comms, pros, need to hone today. Right, so how to communicate better. I love this article, the things that it talks about. I'm gonna go through this. Number one, AI content creation. We've been talking a lot about this, but you have to know how AI thinks because it's pulling so much information together. It can help you collectively understand other people and become a better conversationalist. Data analysis, okay? This is important for communicating as well. The C-suite often doesn't understand the marketing team's real impact, but when you bring data to the table to quantify results, right? Prove that what you're gonna do is gonna add to the company's revenue or profits. You wanna get hired? Find a way to connect what you're gonna do to increasing the company's revenue, mention it during an interview. It's gonna get you hired. Change communication. Show an employer that you understand that change requires working with people. Okay, so change management, that's what's referring to change communication, is the people side of project management. Right, anybody can describe a project, but it's getting people to do the project. That's the change management part. Who are those people? In the language of industry, they're called stakeholders. The ability to ask the right questions, generative AI prompting, so Knowing how to prompt to AI, you gotta start building a relationship with AI, as strange as that, as that sounds. Communicating with depth and conviction. Everybody wants to just topically communicate. Can you go deep? You can. You have a higher education degree especially, so use that to your advantage. Listen with curiosity. Agility, right? Have the agility to, do it, to adapt to various business situations. Think interdisciplinary, right? Protective communication, so how to protect the company's reputation. This is important. Are you, the company wants to know, are you labeling everything a toxic workplace? Or if you come on board, are you gonna take a sense of ownership over that company and brand and protect its reputation, right? No matter how tough things get. Adaptability and resilience, inclusive communication. Emotive data storytelling, right? The standout skill, it says it's a standout skill. It's all about weaving emotional intelligence into data-driven insights. So think of agile project management, how they go off of these user stories, right? So when somebody, think of an app, somebody's using the app, what do they tend to click on right before they click on something else? That can indicate a new feature or the development of a feature, right? So it's the story, the use case, the story of a person doing something backed by data. Data literacy. I see this phrase all the time now. You've got to get data literacy as well as technical literacy on your resumes and LinkedIn profiles. Becoming visible to the press. Lots of press is out, uh, is out there now. Can they put you in front of the press to answer questions? No different than having you speak at a conference. Playing to the camera. You're going to be in front of a camera. Do you know how to use your hands in front of a camera? Do you know how to crop the camera uh, so that you're shown correctly? 
Do you know how to inflate your energy so that people will engage through the lens with you? Understanding trends and the ability to weave topical content into narratives. This takes us to the end of today's news show. As always, stay current and stay proactive in your job search.